Welcome to this podcast featuring well-known Bible teacher, Kevin Connor. For more information, visit kevinconnor.org. Acts chapter 2, and we're going to take from verse uh, 41, uh, or verse uh, 37, and then a few verses just to refresh our memory here. Now when they heard this, they were pricked in their heart and said unto Peter and to the rest of the apostles, Men and brethren, what shall we do? Then Peter said unto them, Repent, and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. For the promise is unto you and to your children and to all that are far off, even as many as the Lord our God shall call. And with many other words did he testify and exhort, saying, Save yourselves from this untoward generation. Then they that gladly received his word were baptized, and the same day there were added unto them about 3,000 souls. And they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine, and in fellowship, and in breaking of bread, and in prayers. And fear came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were done by the apostles. And all that believed were together, and had all things common, and sold their possessions and goods, and parted them to all men as every man had need. And they, continuing daily with one accord in the temple, and breaking bread from house to house, did eat their meat with gladness and singleness of heart, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to the church daily such as should be saved, or daily those that were being saved. Now, in our previous lessons, our Principles of Church Life class lessons, and if you have missed a lesson, I just want to remind you that you can get a loan of the tape and also pick up the lesson sheet from uh, Carolyn Boyd over here so that uh, those of you who are making Waverly Christian Fellowship your church home and so many new people coming in, uh, we want you to go through these whole Principles of Church Life class, pick up the tape if you missed that Sunday and pick up the lesson. Okay, so uh, you just need to see Brother Doug about that at the end of the service. All right, we've been covering on our first lesson on the New Testament church based on the passage here. And then in our second session, we dealt with uh, the first basic principle of first principles, the first principles of the doctrine of Christ, repentance from dead works. Our next session, Brother Mike dealt with faith towards God. And the following Sunday, Brother Mike dealt with water baptism. Last Sunday, we were dealing with the baptism of the Holy Spirit. How many received something from that lesson? Amen. Is that all? How many received something from that lesson? Thank you. I'd like to see your hand that you're just right there. All right, this morning we want to take up the next area from Acts chapter 2, and that's found in verse 42, and they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine. Now, as you've got on your sheet there, I want you to fill in your little PACE program there for those in the ACE school, the Acts Christian Education School at Waverley Christian Fellowship. Uh, first question is, is it important to understand the doctrines of the Bible? All right, how many would say it is important? Let me just uh, make some of the, what sounds very spiritual, but the more you listen to it and the more you study the Word of God, you realize how unspiritual and unscriptural a lot of these statements are. And uh, as I say so many times, you'll have to pardon me coming from my frame of reference if uh, sometimes we become isolated and forget there's a big world out there and become isolated in our smaller fellowship. And uh, so I'm just coming from a bigger frame of reference. But over my travels over the years, many times I hear statements like this, uh, as I said, which sound spiritual, but are really not spiritual, not scriptural. Uh, I've heard statements like this from big people, BTOs, big time operators, uh, the, the big shots, and say, oh, well, doctrine. Doctrine's divisive. We don't want the doctrine because as you look over church history, all we see the doctrines ever done is doctrine divides the church and all our different denominations all divided over doctrine. So well, we should just get rid of doctrine. Now that sounds so spiritual, doesn't it? 
But how many know it's unscriptural? Amen? Can you say amen? And then I've heard other uh, good preachers, good friends of mine, and uh, they haven't bought my textbook on foundations of Christian doctrine yet, see, so I have to be patient with them. Uh, they say, well, it doesn't matter what we believe, it's who we believe. Now, how many think that's a good statement? As long as we believe in Jesus, it doesn't matter what you believe. It's who you believe that counts. Doesn't that sound spiritual? Are you saying no, Sister Connor? You've had this lesson before, haven't you? She's, she's well instructed in the Apostles' Doctrine down here. That's all right. And then I've heard statements like this. Well, I believe that, and particularly this came out in the Charismatic. Oh, I've got to watch it. This is on tape. Bless you, little tapeworms up there. Don't die. Uh, in the Charismatic world, well, uh, doctrine, we want to put all our, our doctrines on the shelves and just get together and love everybody and love Jesus and, and let's get rid of doctrine. And that sounds so spiritual. And then I've heard uh, other people say, well, theology, dead old dry theology. Who wants theology? Let's just talk about Jesus. And if it's not practical, I don't want to hear it. I don't want this doctrinal stuff. Just give me the practical stuff. If it's not practical, I don't want to hear it. Now, all those things sound very, very spiritual. But uh, we find how unscriptural they are, as we're going to see this morning. So our first question here is, is it important to understand the doctrines of the Bible? And the answer is yes. Okay, you first fill in there. The word doctrine means, and for those in the ACE school, it means teaching, instruction, or to teach the substance. The word doctrine simply means teaching, instruction, or to teach the substance. So, you see, when people say, oh, well, we don't want doctrine, what they're saying, well, we don't want teaching. And uh, doctrine's divisive. Well, teaching's divisive. And we want to put all our doctrines on the shelf. We want to put all our teaching and instruction. One man said to me, I don't believe in any doctrine, just the love of God. I said, well, that's the greatest doctrine in the Bible. Huh? So the word doctrine means teaching, instruction to teach the substance. Let's all say it together. What does the word doctrine mean? Teaching, instruction to teach the substance. Right. I want to quote Ephesians 4. And uh, you've got it there, and I'm going to read it from the Amplified, which I like when it agrees with my doctrine. Ephesians chapter 4, Paul says that we be henceforth no more children, tossed to and fro, and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the sleight of men and cunning craftiness, whereby they lie and wait to deceive. But speaking the truth in love may grow up into him in all things, which is the head, even Christ. The Amplified amplifies it this way, and I'd like to read just uh, that verse here. Or verses, so then we may no longer be children tossed like ships to and fro between chance gusts of teaching and wavering with every changing wind of doctrine, the prey of the cunning and cleverness of unscrupulous men, gamblers engage in every shifting form of trickery in inventing errors to mislead. Gusts of teaching, wavering, with every changing wind of doctrine. So Paul's desire is that we're not to be children, babes tossed to and fro like ships and carried with every chance gust or every wind of doctrine by the trickery of men. But speaking the truth in love will grow up into him in all things, which is the head of uh, even Christ. All right, now, continuing here, the Bible speaks of five different classifications of doctrine, and we're not going to read all these scriptures here. I want to read one from each of the areas here. The first area, the first classification of doctrine we have is the doctrine of God. 
Let's turn to Titus chapter 2, just taking one of these scriptures. And as I've said before, I want to encourage you to read these scriptures for yourself, even though we don't always cover every reference in our, our teaching session. I want you to read these scriptures and be grounded in the faith once delivered to the saints. All right, Titus chapter 2. The epistle to, uh, to Titus, like the epistles to Timothy, are referred to as pastoral epistles. Pastoral epistles, and very appropriate name. For those who were bishops, elders of the church, Timothy being the bishop, the elder of Ephesus, along with other elders, and Titus being the bishop or the elder of Crete, along with other elders. And so Paul writes as an apostle these pastoral epistles. And one of the key words in these pastoral epistles, both Timothy and Titus, is this word doctrine. These are pretty well the last epistles that Paul wrote before he was beheaded. And uh, his concern is, in about A.D. 65 onwards, uh, about the faith and about departure from the doctrine and the faith that was once delivered to the saints. So one of the key words in the three pastoral epistles is doctrine. So in Titus chapter 2 and verse 10, uh, he says not purloining, but showing in all good fidelity that they may adorn the doctrine of God, our Savior, in all things. So under A, scriptures speak of the doctrine of God, the doctrine of God. So being established in the doctrine of God. Deuteronomy 32, I'll quote, he says, My doctrine shall drop as the rain. My doctrine shall drop as the small dew and distill as the small dew upon the tender herb. So my doctrine dropping as the rain, the rain of God's word. My word will not return unto me void, he says, as the rain comes down from heaven above, waters the earth, makes the earth bring forth and bud, and returns back to it, uh, the one who sent it. So he said, my word is like rain. My word shall come, and it comes as rain, refreshing dew. The dew of the Holy Spirit, rain of the Holy Spirit, comes as refreshing, and the word produces, it brings forth. My word would not return unto me void, as the rain accomplishes in that cycle, so my word will accomplish what I send it to. And I, I believe that, that this is an accomplishing word. How many believe that? His word will accomplish. He's spoken the word. It's gone out of his mouth. It comes to us as rain and refreshing, and it's going to produce in our lives. All right, the doctrine of God. Uh, number B here. Sec second doctrine we have, and we'll turn to Second John, little John, that is, Second John, uh, verse 9 and 10. And you fill in as you're turning there, is the doctrine of Christ. The doctrine of Christ. Second John and uh, verses 9 and 10. Second John, verses 9 and 10. Whosoever transgresseth and abideth not in the doctrine of Christ, hath not God. He that abideth in the doctrine of Christ, he hath both the Father and the Son. If there come any unto you and bring not this doctrine, what doctrine? the doctrine of Christ. Receive him not into your house and don't give him a cup of tea and neither bid him Godspeed and say, God bless you. For he that biddeth him Godspeed is partaker of his evil deeds. This is written by the apostle of love, not by Kevin Connor, but by the apostle of love. So he says, if anybody doesn't bring this doctrine, the doctrine of Christ, the doctrine that involves the Father and the Son, don't bid him into your house. Don't say, come in for a cup of tea. Don't have fellowship there. See, in Acts chapter 2, they continued steadfastly, not in fellowship first, they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine, 
then fellowship. Right? Is that right? And so people say, it doesn't matter about doctrine. It does. God is very concerned about what we believe. All right, in Hebrews chapter 6, of course, the doctrine of Christ. All right, C. Next uh, classification of doctrine we have, 1 Timothy chapter 4 and verse 1. 1 Timothy chapter 4 and verse 1. And you see, as I said, uh, to me it's very important what doctrines we do believe. I don't know how many of you get circulars like this, but you know, uh, just recently in the Australian, I think it was, there is the big uh, full notice of this coming Christ. How many saw that? That this Christ is going to reveal himself. And of course he said he's not a religious person. Well, as far as I'm concerned, he's a false Christ. And there's no use being namby-pamby about it. <clears throat> and I just got the latest letter here, Dear Brethren, and I'd like to help you dear people here. Dear brethren, we are glad to inform you that the two witnesses are with us now. <coughs> One of the two prophets will be with us in Australia in July this year. And we'd like you to include him in your prayers. His name is David. <laughs> I, I always wondered who they were. I thought it was Moses Elijah, one of those fellows, but here it is. And uh, I've got pages of this letter. And uh, how, how the whole thing come about? The Virgin Mary appeared to him. And the Virgin Mary appeared in a white dress with a blue girdle around her waist and a white veil on her head. And then uh, Michael the Archangel, he turned up too. Dear old Michael, you know. And uh, Michael told him how we're going to die. Saw this great crowd and the two prophets eating fruit and living off the land and uh, oh, everything. So if you want to know all about the two witnesses, does it matter what we believe? But you see, the tragedy is some gullible people are going to believe this and be deceived by this guy and by this false Christ. Jesus said in the last days there'd arise false Christs and false prophets and show great signs and wonders to deceive the very elect. As I've said before, you cannot go by the anointing. Is that right? We're sound on that. In the last days there will arise false Christs, false anointed ones. The anointing deceives people. It's if they speak not according to this word. It's what's in the book. The sound doctrine of the word of God. That's what I'm sold on. And I don't know, I, uh, you know, I have to apologize for things. I get mad. What... I don't get mad, I just get righteously indignant. <clears throat> How many read this in the paper about uh, uh, God's army? To, uh, God's army throws away Arsenal ca keys. Kennedy's corner, I think we ought to have a Connor's corner. Uh, Sunday of all days is no day to learn that moves are afoot to rewrite some of the greatest and most singable hymns in the English language. Yet I lifted up mine eyes to the printed word yesterday morning to read that the Uniting Church is working on deleting all references to war and fighting from the hymn books. Uh, its National Assembly in Adelaide decided the church should appear to be peaceable, not warlike. So putting on the armor of God to fight the good fight can no longer be an acceptable ambition for uniting church persons. That last word is used advisedly. Reverend Dick Wooten, and I'm only quoting the paper, so I'm not condemning anybody. I'm just quoting the newspaper, okay? That all right there. But Reverend uh, Dick Wooten said, in recent years we've been made aware of sexism in the way we talk. Now we are starting to realize our language is militaristic. God in his or her infinite wisdom may know, but I don't know. According to Mr. Wooten, to teach children it's wrong that fighting is acceptable to the church, even if it's fighting the devil. That's just about all of Baring Ghoul's onward Christian soldiers will feel the emasculator's knife. Satan's host will not be forced to flee. Hell's foundations will not quiver. The church of God will not move like a mighty army. Instead, let us sing, onward Christian peace persons, strolling to the UN General Assembly, forward into meaningful debate, 
see his or her peaceful placard bearers go. The devil must be laughing her head off. Oh, I mean his or her. Oh, God help us. Can you say amen? We need to be in the sound doctrine. I have no apologies about those things. I disagree with it. And I'm a soldier. We're in a spiritual warfare. And as, as this other fellow right, who had more sense than the reverend, he says, why can't they wake up? Surely the hymn writers are speaking of spiritual warfare. Praise God. All right, let's get off that now. I'm getting agitated. First Timothy chapter 4. I'm tired of namby-pamby Christianity. I, I think we need to, we're in a spiritual warfare. We need to say the truth, right? All right, 1 Timothy chapter 1, uh, chapter 4, pardon me. Again, from the pastoral epistles. Now, the Spirit speaketh expressly, specifically. How did the Holy Spirit speak? That in the latter times, in the last times, the eschaton, which is the Greek word there, some shall depart from the faith, that faith once delivered to the saints, giving heed to seducing spirits and doctrines, teachings, instructions, doctrines of devils. And then he lists a couple of those doctrines there. So under C, doctrines of devils, another classification of Scripture. I'd like you to turn also uh, to the other Scripture we've got on your notes there. So you fill in there is doctrines of devils. Revelation chapter 2. Revelation chapter 2, and you see when we read the scripture on these things, how unspiritual and unscriptural these statements are. Well, it doesn't matter what we believe, and who worries about doctrine? Let's forget doctrine. Let's just love Jesus. Let's just have fellowship and talk in tongues. No, Revelation chapter 2, the Lord Jesus writing to a church here, to a Pentecostal charismatic church. They were all Pentecostal and charismatic in the Bible. They didn't know anything else. Revelation chapter 2, writing to this church, he says, But I have a few things against thee, because thou hast them there that hold the doctrine of Balaam, who taught Balak to cast a stumbling block before the children of Israel, to eat things sacrificed unto idols, and to com commit fornication, idolatry and immorality. Doctrine of Balaam, idolatry, immorality. Then in verse 15, So hast thou also them that hold the doctrine of of the Nicolaitans, which was a clergy, priest, clergy, clergy, laity doctrine, a priestcraft, robbing the uh, believers, uh, the priesthood of all believers. Uh, Nico means to conquer, laitans is conquer the laity. Uh, and he says, which thing I hate. So there are certain doctrines that Jesus Christ, who is love personified, certain doctrines he hates. So I believe there are certain doctrines we should hate. We should hate what he hates. We should love what he loves. Is that right? Is this sound doctrine? All right, so he says, I've, I've got this against you as a church, at Pentecostal charismatic church. You're holding the doctrine of Balaam. And I wouldn't like to get into that too much, but I'm sorry to say that there are Pentecostal charismatic churches today that hold the doctrine of Balaam. And that's why there's not the holiness and so much immorality in speaking in tongues at the same time, which God hates. I'm glad that we have a strong standard here for holiness, amen, and a clean church. All right, under D, your next fill in here, uh, Mark chapter 7, verse 7. Let's read one scripture from this section, Mark 7, verse 7. And for your fill in there, the next classification of doctrine is the doctrine of men. The doctrine of men, Mark 7 and verse 7. 
We'll just read the one verse here, just to confirm this. Howbeit in vain, Jesus is talking here, howbeit in vain do they worship me, teaching for doctrines the commandments of men. Teaching for doctrines the commandments of men. So there are many doctrines of men. They're not necessarily doctrines of devils, but just doctrines of men. Uh, verse 8 we should uh, note here, because doctrines of men, for laying aside the commandment of God, you hold the tradition of men. And verse 9, full well you reject the commandment of God that you may keep your own tradition. Verse 13, making the word of God of none effect through your tradition. So there are many doctrines of men, traditions of men, that nullify the word of God and make the word of God of none effect. And as I said last Sunday or the Sunday before or Sunday before, we produce people who are what I call unbelieving believers. And we use the word of God that is meant to create faith. We use that word to create unbelief. This is not for today. That's not for today. That's for the Jews. That's in the millennium. Right? And so we create unbelief by the very word of God that's meant to create faith. So traditions of men, doctrines of men can nullify the word of God. I'm glad we are on the ground of faith here and we believe this book. Amen? All right, under E, we've already read the scripture, but for you fill in is, is the doctrine of apostles. The doctrine of the apostles. So we have five classifications of doctrine there. The doctrine of God, the doctrine of Christ, the doctrine of devils, the doctrine of men, and the doctrine of apostles. Okay, I'd like you to go over to 1 Timothy uh, and, uh, again and Titus to the pastoral epistles. And I'm emphasizing that word pastoral epistles because of the significance of it. These were pretty well the last uh, epistles that wrote, uh, Paul wrote. And then we have had the prison epistles, of course. All right, 1 Timothy chapter 6. These scriptures are on your, on your sheet there. I want you to note the use of the word doctrine. 1 Timothy 6 and verse 1. Let as many servants as are under the yoke count their own masters worthy of all honor that the name of God and his doctrine be not blasphemed. The name of God and his doctrine. The name of God and his doctrine, they are associated. Verse 3. If any man teach otherwise and consent not to wholesome, healthy words, even the words of our Lord Jesus Christ, and to the doctrine which is according to godliness, he's proud and knowing nothing, but doting about questions and strifes of words whereof cometh envy, strife, railings, evil surmisings, perverse disputings of men of corrupt minds, and destitute of the truth, supposing that gain is godliness. Gain is godliness. From such withdraw thyself. Very clear, very clear. Doctrine which is according to godliness, the name of God and his doctrine. First Timothy 4. Back to chapter 4 and verse 6, 13 and 16. You notice the word doctrine. Jews in verse 1, doctrines of devils. Verse 6, if thou put the brethren in remembrance of these things, thou shalt be a good minister of Jesus Christ nourished up in the words of faith and of good doctrine. In contrast to verse 1, doctrine of, of devils, you'll be a good minister, nourished up in the words of faith and of good doctrine, whereunto thou hast attained. And verse 13, till I come, give attendance to reading, to exhortation, to doctrine. Verse 16, take heed unto thyself and to the doctrine. 
continue in them. For in doing this, thou shalt both save thyself and them that hear thee. So you'll notice how the word doctrines in that you use in that chapter. Doctrines of devils. Good doctrine. Continue in the doctrine. Good doctrine. Take heed to yourself and the doctrine. Give attention to doctrine. All right, reading Titus chapter 2. I'd like you to go to Titus 2. Again, the pastoral epistle. Titus 2. And uh, you can take verse 1, which is not on your sheet, but add to it, because again the word is doctrine here, verse 1. Speak thou the things which become sound, healthy, wholesome doctrine. Verse 7. In all things showing thyself a pattern of good works, in doctrine showing uncorrupt, uh, uncorruptness, gravity, sincerity, sound speech that cannot be condemned, that he, is of the contrary, he that is of the contrary part may be ashamed, having no evil thing to say of you. And then verse 10, that they may adorn the doctrine of God. So verse 1, sound doctrine. Verse 7, showing yourself a pattern of the doctrine, living what you believe. Living what you believe. Practical, doctrinal. Doctrinal what you believe, practical is living the doctrine. Uh, we sang it. He will, he will teach us of his ways and we will walk in his paths. Teaching perceives walking, perceives walking. And the whole business of talking is walking. Don't, walk the, don't talk the walk if you don't walk the talk. That's what I'm saying. He'll teach us his ways, doctrinal, and we will walk in his paths, practical. The whole purpose of doctrine is practical living. So balance here. All right, let's just read our note here. It does, not, it does matter what we study and believe. All religions, true and false, are founded on various teachings and doctrines. These doctrines believed received and practiced, determine, fill in, character, what we are, action, what we do, destiny, where we go. Let me say it again. All these doctrines believed, received and practiced, determine character, what we are. Now we see this with the humanistic philosophy that's infiltrating our whole educational system. It is shaping character. Good character, bad character. Whatever a person believes shapes their character. Is that right? Everybody believe that? Whatever a person believes shapes their character. And whatever a person believes determines their lifestyle, action, what we do. We do what we do because of what we are. Right? So action. And of course, what we are in our character, what we do in our lifestyle determines our destiny, our eternal destiny where we go. So these doctrines, believe, received, and practiced, determine character, what we are, action, what we do, destiny, where we go. I'd like you to go over to uh, one other scripture here in 1 John. 1 John, 1 John chapter 4. This uh, scripture is not on your notes, but I'd like you to add it. 1 John chapter 4. Now, all doctrine comes from, uh, though we've got classifications of doctrine, doctrine of God, doctrine of Christ, doctrine of devils, doctrine of men, doctrine of the apostles, all doctrines can be traced primarily to two sources, and this is in 1 John chapter 4. Beloved, believe not every spirit, but try, test, prove the spirits which, whether they are of God, because many false prophets have gone into the world, out into the world. Hereby know ye the Spirit of God. 
Every spirit that confesseth that Jesus Christ is come in the flesh is of God, and every spirit that confesseth not that Jesus Christ is come in the flesh is not of God. And this is that spirit of Antichrist, whereof ye have heard that it should come, and even now already is it in the world. Then going down to verse 4, We are of God, he that knoweth God heareth us, he that is not of God heareth not us. Hereby know we the, let's say it together, the spirit of truth and the spirit of error. Okay, let's just put a diagram. You've got the information on your, on your sheet there, but let's uh, just put a diagram that sort of illustrates what we've just been saying. Okay, two sources of doctrine. Doctrine of God, doctrine of Satan. Spirit of truth, spirit of error. Light, darkness. From the spirit of truth, the doctrine of God, we have the doctrine of Christ, doctrine of God, pardon me, doctrine of Christ, doctrine of the apostles. We have those who are of the believing community and their life, liberty, and life. On the contrary side, the opposite side, we have Satan, the spirit of error, the kingdom of darkness, and so from that kingdom we have, from that spirit, two spirits at work in the world. Everybody's either going to believe the spirit of error or the spirit of truth. They're either in the kingdom of darkness or in the kingdom of light. There's no neutrality. You can't have a foot in both kingdoms. And so doctrines that come from here, doctrine of Satan, doctrine of men, doctrine of devils. And instead of the believing communi community, we've got the deceiving community. They're deceived and being deceived. And the end result of that is bondage and death. And then as we've said, and you've got this on your sheet, doctrine, whatever we believe, determines our character, what we are. What I believe determines what I am. I am what I am because of what I believe. It determines my behavior or my action, what we do. Lifestyle, as I said, humanistic philosophies are shaping the minds and the character of this younger generation because they believe it and so their lifestyle is according to it. We do what we believe. And of course, it affects our destiny, where we go, our eternal destiny. So can you all say a hearty amen? It's important what we believe. Not only who we believe, but what we believe. Okay, let's just continue on the notes here, and I'm going to move quickly through this area. Hence the necessity for being established in the doctrines of God. We must hold fast the faithful word uh, as we have been taught, that we may be able by sound doctrine, that, and that word sound is wholesome, healthy doctrine, to both exhort and to convince the gainsayers. Now, question number two. And I'm just going to read some of this rather quickly because you've got it there and I've put it in full for this reason. What is the doctrinal stand of this local church? Um, we've had new folks come in and because this is on tape I won't <laughs> name them, you know. But, uh, well, what do you believe? What wall did you come off? And that's a good question. Right? And I believe people need to check out and not just believe anything that's floating around. Amen? People are going to be deceived. All right? So what is the doctrinal stand of this local church? And because people are all the time asking, well, what do you believe? Oh, well, it's easy to say, well, I believe the Bible. We don't believe in doctrines or anything. Like that. We just believe in the Bible. Well, that's great. So let's just read what I've got here. It is understood that God cannot be confined to articles of faith or doctrinal statements. I recognize that. It took, it took Kevin Connor 16 little articles of faith here to put that down, uh, what I believe, condensing it, but it took God 66 books to put down what he believes. <laughs> okay, so we're not trying to confine God. This is inexhaustible. 
But because we're living in an age when there are so many false religions and cults arising and doctrine is the brainwashing thing, and you're being brainwashed this morning, I make no apology for it. This is the best brainwashing you can get. Everybody's going to be brainwashed with something, either humanistic philosophy, atheistic philosophy, uh, philosophy, socialism, Marxism, or Bible. This is God's philosophy. And I want to be brainwashed with this, don't you? Amen. Can you say amen there? All right, so uh, it's understood that God cannot be confined to articles of faith or doctrinal statements. However, because of the doctrines of men and devils that are flooding the earth, it becomes a necessity, it should be, or necessary to provide a condensed statement of faith as to what any local church does believe. The following is a statement of faith covering what we believe was apostolic doctrine as set forth in the Holy Scriptures. Now, I'm just going to make a brief comment on uh, several of these, but uh, all these things are dealt with, and personally, I can go into pretty well any church or fellowship, and I can just listen to one man and one man's message, and I can pretty well summarize what that man believes. Do you know that? You listen to our speaker tonight, you'll pick up what he believes. He'll just expose it like that. <laughs> Smile, you're on candid camera. <laughs> I just need to hear one man's message. I mean, for instance, uh, Brother Mike or whoever, or David or Simon can get up this morning and say, well, it's just good to be in the presence of the Lord and we're coming to the Lord's table this morning and we're really happy for the blood of Jesus Christ that cleanses from all sin. What have I picked up there? I can tell you what he picked up, the deity of Christ. He believes in the blood of Christ. He believes we need to repent from sin. The blood's the redemption from sin. I've got it right there. Right? You just listen, right there. Because whatever a person holds doctrinally, it flavors all he preaches and teaches. Huh? You have ears to, you know, to hear. Okay, so statement of faith, what we believe in this local church. We believe in the plenary verbal inspiration of the accepted canon of the scriptures as originally given. Uh, because we don't want to get too much into theology, but simply to say this, most of us here, and this is no guilt trip on you, most of us here are isolated. We live in a little spiritual cocoon, a little spiritual hothouse. I've been exposed to much. And most of us don't realize that there's a tremendous warfare going on against the scriptures today in the church. It's not the sinner, it's the church. It's the ministers behind the pulpit that are saying this Bible is not infallible. It's, there's no such thing as inerrancy of the scripture. The Bible's full of mistakes and myths and legends. It holds some truth and some historical fact, a lot of mistakes. And so we've got ministers behind the pulpit who have walked into their collars or backed into their collars who are teaching unbelief against the scriptures. And most of us don't know. I, I do. There's a tremendous warfare going on in Australia against this. And the reason I say, and we put this as statement number one, is whatever else we believe, everything else we believe arises out of, number one, that I believe that this is the infallible, inerrant scriptures, the infallible word of God. Amen. Can you say amen? The Bible-believing people. We don't have to say, well, this is true, that's not true, this is for the Jews, that's for the men, I don't believe this, and I do believe that, and that was a myth. Oh, I'm glad we believe the word. Amen? 
That's true. That's the fundamental thing. If you don't believe that, you're sunk. Number two, we believe in the eternal Godhead who has revealed himself as one God existing in three persons, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, distinguishable but indivisible. May not sound much, but when we realize the issues in religion over the Godhead, every religion believes in God. The issue is over the Son. The issue is over the Holy Spirit, influence or person. We believe in the creation, test and fall of man as recorded in Genesis, his total spiritual depravity and inability to attain to divine righteousness. This supposes a doctrine of evolution. I did not come from a monkey. I did not have a tail. I did not swing from a tree. I was made in the image of God. How many are with me? <laughs> Amen. They say you come from a monkey. So well, you might have, but I didn't. I wouldn't monkey around with that thing. <clears throat> All right. It refutes Darwin's theory of evolution, which is taught as a fact. And even he said it was a theory. We believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, the Savior of men, conceived of the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, very God and very man. Say, oh, big deal. Okay, religious ministers do not believe in the virgin birth. They do not believe in the deity of Christ. They have destroyed the virgin birth. Eh? And uh, upon the virgin birth hangs the whole plan of redemption. Five, we believe Christ died for our sins, was buried and rose again the third day and personally appeared to his disciples. You say, okay, what about it? All right, ministers, not the sinners. I'm not talking about sinners. I'm talking about that religious thing. Why well, had one religious man say to me, and I once say, say what uh, particular group he belonged to just because of the little tapeworms. He said, the blood of Jesus Christ. I said, do you believe in the blood? He said, oh yeah, I believe in the blood. And I knew what he meant by the blood. I said, do you believe the blood of Jesus Christ is sinless and incorruptible? He said, oh no, the blood of Jesus Christ is no better than anybody else's blood. Oh, but he believed in the blood. We both believed in the blood. But what he meant by it, what I meant by it was totally opposite. Eh? We believe in the bodily ascension of Jesus to heaven. His exaltation and personal, literal and bodily coming again the second time for the church. How many ministers, and I'm sorry to have to say this, but we're living in spiritual warfare. There are ministers who deny the bodily ascension of Jesus Christ. He wasn't bodily resurrected, so he didn't bodily ascend. And they're teaching their people this. No wonder we're producing a generation of unbelieving believers. We believe in his bodily resurrection and ascension. Amen? Number seven, we believe in the salvation of sinners by grace. Through repentance and faith, in the perfect and sufficient work of the cross of Calvary by which we obtain remission of sins. This refutes those cults who believe in salvation of sinners by works, that you have to work your way to heaven. We're not saved by grace, saved by works. We believe in the necessity of water baptism by immersion in the name of the eternal Godhead, which we believe is the name of the Lord Jesus Christ in order to fulfill the command of Christ. All right, uh, we're having a water baptismal service this afternoon. Uh, so make sure you see us afterwards, those who are being baptized. Uh, number nine, we believe in the baptism of the Holy Spirit as an experience, uh, and I should have put here, at or subsequent to salvation with the scriptural evidence, namely speaking in other tongues as the Spirit gives utterance. Number ten, we believe in the operation of the gifts of the Spirit as enumerated in 1 Corinthians 12 to 14 is manifested in the early church. 
We believe in the spirit-filled life, a life of separation from the world and perfecting of holiness and the fear of God as an expression of Christian faith. We believe in the, de in the healing of the body by divine power or divine healing. We need to qualify it because there are many healing cults today. Theosophy, Christian science, a lot of cults believe in healing, but not divine healing. We don't even believe in faith healing. There's a lot of cults believe in faith healing. We believe in divine healing. That healing is in the atonement. It's through Christ. Amen? Big difference. You say, oh, only words. No, very important. Thirteen, we believe in the table of the Lord, commonly called communion, or the Lord's Supper for believers. Now, for many years I belonged to a church that didn't believe in water baptism, didn't believe in the Lord's table, didn't believe in the gifts. I was an unbelieving believer. Then I had to come on the ground of faith with Brother Dave and get all this unbelief knocked out of me. It took a long time. God's still working on it. How many are still having the Lord work on you unbelieving believers? <laughs> we believe in eternal life for believers and eternal punishment for unbelievers. Look at the no-hell preachers. We don't believe in hell. Only hell is the hell on earth. There's no such thing as hell. God is love. He's too kind to send anybody to hell, and there's no hell to send anybody to. I wish that was true. But Jesus preached more about hell than anybody else in the New Testament because he died to save us from it. He's the authority on it. We believe in the reality and personality of Satan and the eternal judgment of Satan and his angels. Look at the preachers again who do not believe in the devil. You know, it's quite an amazing thing and I think it's quite exciting. How many know that God lets the devil go so far and then he lets things backfire on him? Let me say it again. How many know that the Lord lets the devil go so far and then lets things backfire on him? For instance, a lot of people didn't believe in the devil until the film came out, The Omen, 666, and Exorcist. And then more people came out of that theater believing in the devil and scared the liver, liver out. They needed deliverance well and truly uh, than ever and got saved in sheer self-defense and fear. And the devil wasn't happy about that. <laughs> Number 16, we believe that there is one true universal church made up of genuine believers. However, this one universal church is also composed of many local churches in given localities. These churches are under the sovereign headship of the Lord Jesus Christ, headquarters up in heaven, exercising autonomous government under him, administering all its local affairs and ministry, as well as the propagation of the gospel. This statement of faith shows that Waverly Christian Fellowship is a church that is strong in the biblical, fundamental, evangelical, and charismatic doctrine it believes. You're even getting frightened to use those words because fundamental has to be redefined and evangelical has to be redefined and charismatic has to be redefined. May the Lord help us. Can you say amen? amen? How many say amen to our lesson this morning? It is important what we believe. These messages are based on Kevin Connor's best-selling book, Foundational Principles of Church Membership. Visit kevinconnor.org for details.